to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Well, happy Easter, Humanity Church. It is so good to be here with you guys. My name is Nathan Neighbor. I'm our lead pastor here. Happy Easter. It is so exciting to celebrate this morning. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for this moment that we get to be in together. It is all that we're promised, and so we just breathe it all in. We take full advantage of the gift of right here and now, and we ask that you, your presence would just be so close to us, God. That as we remember the life that is available to us right here, right now, that we would be filled with awe and wonder this morning that we would leave here transformed as a result of being together with you and with one another. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's one thing that I know 100% to be true about you because it is true about almost every single human being, not almost every single human being, is that you are a dreamer and that you were made to dream. Now, don't fight me on this. I will win this one, I promise you. (laughs) Because... Here's the thing. We as human beings, we innately imagine what the future could be like, and then we invent tomorrows, and we invent versions of ourselves that didn't exist prior to us imagining those things, and then we bring them to existence. That's what we do as human beings. Look, at a base level, you imagined in your head at some point in time that you would get yourself together to be here at the Fox Theater for Easter, And you dreamt that up in your mind, and you did everything necessary to create this future, which we call present, right here and right now. And here you are. See, you did it naturally. How many of you have like an Easter egg hunt planned after this? Lunch, family gatherings, all kinds of things? Yes. See, here's the crazy thing, is that future does not yet exist, but you've already dreamt it up. You've already prepared for it. You've already created a way for it to happen. And you have set things in motion to create that future. You dreamt it up and it will be there. And you do this all the time, every day. It's as common as breathing to us humans that we are dreamers. We were made to envision. We were made to imagine. And here's what I love about Easter is Easter is a giant invitation to dream bigger, It's a giant invitation to see beyond what is just here and now and into a future that actually seems outlandish. That when you you imagine a future that actually seems impossible at face value, that life would be available in the middle of death. It actually seems preposterous to allow yourself to go there. Not not even preposterous, it actually actually feels dangerous to allow yourself to step into that space and to imagine what it would look like. It actually seems like a setup for failure. It seems like the best possibility for a massive yet letdown. And yet, within every single one of us, 
There's like a siren song that calls to us to dream, to, to imagine that life is available, to, to, to wonder what it would look like to step into a future that is filled with awe and wonder. Now, here's the thing. We as human beings are actually predictable creatures. That, that there's a lot of uniqueness to us, and there's a lot of things that are, are incredibly creative in our own rights, but there's a lot that, that we just all kind of follow suit. And here's the thing. What I found is that we as human beings, we long for remarkably similar futures, that the futures that we long to create are actually really, really similar to one another. That, that you were actually made, I'm going to propose this morning, to dream up futures that are filled with awe and wonder. That that's what you were made for. That, that you were filled to, to, to create tomorrows that are filled with passionate, intimate relationships. That are fulfilling and meaningful. That, that, that you have this deep desire inside of you to create beauty all around you and to step into hope and goodness and a future worth having. Because here's the thing, is that no one ever says that I want to write a tragedy with my days. No one ever says that, that I long for my future to be worse than my present or even my past. It's like we are hardwired for awe and wonder. It's like we are hardwired to dream up futures that are filled with beauty, and we long to see the world as it could be in spite of the way that it is right here and now. Ironically, the second that we stop dreaming is the second that we cease to exist. But, but still, I don't know about you, but there's this tension that exists within me at the same time. We all have this, this drive for life, this drive for dreaming, this drive for, for awe and wonder, and, and yet every single one of us have been marked by death in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's right. that, that every single one of us have loved and lost, that every single one of us have, have dreamt big and had it all come crashing down. That every single person in this room is marked by the scars of life not turning out the way that we longed for it to. And we bear those scars. For some of us, we wear them on our sleeves. They are written on our hearts. And it beats against this primal drive inside of us towards awe and wonder. There's this tension that exists inside of us. See, it's one thing when the death is external, when, when there are circumstances that have died, when there are dreams that have died, when there are possibilities that are no longer available to us, but it is a, a whole other thing to deal with the death that exists within us, the, the hopelessness that we experience, the, the despair, the overwhelm, the, the heartache, the darkness that, that seems unfixable. It seems permanent and pervasive at times. They, they choke out this drive to dream and to hope and to wonder, and they, they whisper to us, why even try? You know what voice I'm talking about? That they're constantly telling us, don't go too far, don't dream too big, don't go too high, don't allow yourself to step in there. See, in fact, the scriptures actually take it to a whole nother level. They, they say that due to our own brokenness within that we find ourselves colliding with one another and colliding with God, and that we find ourselves confronted with this death that exists within us. And sometimes in that collision, we're left with more questions than we have answers for. And we're left with more wonderings than we have wonder in the middle of this. And we have all kinds of reasons that are constantly informing us as to why we should never dream again. 
We have all kinds of voices informing us as to why we should never step into that space. And I believe that there are these two realities actually competing for your life, for your energy, for your future. And from my perspective, we get to choose which one wins in the end. See, because here is option one, is that life is actually a tragic tale of death with momentary cruel blips of beauty and awe and wonder. If that's the case, then we have to figure out how to mute and push down this voice inside of us that, that calls us to dream, that calls us to step into a life defined by awe and wonder. Or that we as human beings were actually made to live in the awe and wonder of this life. That that was the, the reality that we were actually designed and made for and created to step into but if that's the case, it leaves us wondering what to do with all the death and the hopelessness that exists inside. See, see, what if in order to step into a life that you dream of, something actually did have to die? That there are these cycles of life that we find ourselves in of death and reverse, rebirth. See, what I've actually found in life is that we as human beings are like experts at wandering into hopelessness. Yeah, We're actually really good at finding ourselves in despair and overwhelm and let down. We are actually experts at finding ourselves in death. We can actually do that without thinking. And it's so easy to go there. It's so easy to find ourselves in that space trapped within the hopelessness of life. We're not as skilled at the resurrection part. That doesn't come as naturally to us. In fact, I would say that that doesn't exactly exist within us, which leads us to this feeling that, that we're trapped in the death and despair that we've created all around us, that there's actually no way out of it. But what if it wasn't a question of if awe and wonder was available to us, but a question of where? Or maybe a more important question that Easter begs us to answer today is maybe it's a question of who? See, in, in John chapter 1, this man who followed Jesus around for many, many years and called him a friend, he writes these words about him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind, the light that shines in the darkness, a darkness which has not overcome it, the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Last summer, my wife Marla and I, we decided that we were going to build a koi pond in the backyard. I don't know about you, but during the pandemic, we just decided to do all kinds of crazy things. And we just thought, why not put a pond in the backyard, right? So we did. And we installed this koi pond and we put it in the backyard and it was wonderful and it was beautiful. And if you know anything about me, when I get into a project, I get into a project, I mean, hours, days, months on Google. I quickly become an expert on whatever it is that I'm stepping into. And so 
I decided one day that what our koi pond needed was bullfrogs. And that we needed to have like an army of bullfrogs that lived within our pond. And so I went to the place where you look for tadpole or bullfrogs, eBay. And uh, I, I ordered about 25 tadpoles. Now it's a little expensive to like drop ship tadpoles to your house, uh, but we did. And so we got the tadpoles in and we put them in the pond and they began growing legs and it was fun to watch them. And by the end of the summer, we had had little frogs that were everywhere. And we were told by Google that they would go away and that they would come back the next year, probably in February and March in Southern California. And February came and there was nothing. And then March came and there was nothing. And then we noticed that there were three cats, like literally just sitting at the edge of the pond. And that's when we got this sensor that will basically like destroy a cat if they come near the pond. Not literally destroy them, but there may be a few cats in our neighborhood that can't hear anymore. But they won't be eating our frogs. And I was bummed, man. I was so bummed. I was like, man, we worked on those tadpoles. We, we raised them. We got them into frogs. We got them going. They were just about to make some like croaking noises. It was going to be this beautiful setting for summer. And I, I went into this moment of sadness. Like, man, that was all for nothing. All for nothing. And then I thought, you know what? Maybe we'll just get some more tadpoles this year. And I thought, no, nah, I'm not getting more tadpoles. I'm not going to let my heart be broken again by any frog. And then... A few weeks ago, I went to go get a drink from the fridge, and I look out the back window, and there's a giant frog sitting on the rocks right there. And I thought, am I seeing this correctly? And, and I go outside, and not only was there one frog, there were two more frogs. And as I got towards the pond, six all jumped into the pond at the same time. See, what I had recognized is that what had been happening all year long is that these frogs had been hibernating and some of the tadpoles that were left in the pond had slowly started becoming frogs. And now we have this army of bullfrogs that exist in our backyard that there was something working underneath the surface that I could not see, that I had not known was going on there. And life was forming when I could not actually see it all around me. See, what if John... What he wrote here was actually happening not just 2,000 years ago, but it was happening right here and right now. What if God and life and wonder and hope and beauty was all around us and we just refuse to see it? That we just can't see it? That we don't know that it is swirling around us, working in the background, bringing light into the darkness, restoring everything that has been lost up until this point? What if awe and wonder was actually as close as your breath right now? And we just refuse to see it. Now, that might sound crazy. Why on earth would, would we want to ignore the beauty and the hope and the awe and wonder that is right there? See, I, I don't know about you, but I don't like the idea that I am incapable of resurrecting myself. I don't like that idea. I don't like the idea that I'm incapable of resurrecting life in my community and incapable of resurrecting life around me. It feels so out of control. It feels so unfair that, that I can't do anything about it. And here's what I found about us as human beings is that when we feel out of control, we start developing all kinds of strategies to get any semblance of control back that we find ourselves building walls around our hearts and becoming impenetrable 
to anything that might hurt us again, that we play small, that we refuse to dream big, that we shut down, that we shut down the desire to feel and to be known in the middle of this, all in an attempt to alleviate the heartbreak, to alleviate the suffering, or maybe in an attempt to get back to anything that we might possibly call living. And we spend so much energy trying to save ourselves to keep ourselves from experiencing the hopelessness again. And we know we're incapable, but we keep trying anyways. And I don't know about you, but it's exhausting. And so much of our energy gets put there. I wonder if this is why at times we miss the awe and wonder that exists all around us, that we miss the life that we're looking for that we weren't made for this type of hustle, that we were made to just be here now and trust that there is a savior available for us. Isaiah in chapter 53, he writes this about Jesus in this moment. He says, out of emptiness, he came like a tender shoot from rock hard ground. He didn't look like anything or anyone of consequence. He had no physical beauty to attract our attention. He was despised and forsaken by men. This was a man of suffering, grief's patient friend. As if he was a person to avoid, we looked the other way. He was despised, forsaken, and we took no notice of him. Yet it was our suffering he carried, our pain and distress, our sickness to the soulness. We just figured that God had rejected him, that God was the reason he hurt so badly, but he was hurt because of us. He suffered so Our wrongdoing wounded and crushed him. He endured the breaking that made us whole. The injuries he suffered became our healing. We have all wandered off like shepherdless sheep scattered by our aimless striving and endless pursuits. And the eternal one laid on him, this silent sufferer, the sins of us all. And in the face of such oppression and suffering, silence, not a word of protest, not a finger raised to stop it, Like a sheep to a shearing, like a lamb to be slaughtered, he went oh so quietly, oh so willingly, oppressed and condemned, he was taken away from this generation. Who was there to complain? Who was there to cry foul? He was, after all, cut off from the land of the living, smacked and struck down, not on his account, but because of how my people disregarded the lines between right and wrong. They snuffed out his life. And when he was dead, he was buried with the disgraced in borrowed space among the rich. Even though he did no wrong by word or deed, yet the eternal one planned to crush him all along, to bring him to grief, this innocent servant of God. When he put his life in sin's dark place in the pit of wrongdoing, this servant of God will see his children and have his days prolonged. For in his servant's hand, the eternal's deepest desires will come to pass and flourish. See, this is the great paradox that we find ourselves in, that sometimes only in hopelessness are we able to find the depths of awe and wonder. See, what if, what if it was the depths of despair that actually created the pathway to living a life defined by awe? See, sometimes it takes the sting of death to actually find the fullness of life that every single one of us is longing for. And life can be confusing that way. Easter can be confusing like that. Like like a God that would send his son to bring us life and then would end up dead. 
Like, like a God who, who would give us everything, who came willingly and found himself wrongfully accused and then judged, mocked, beaten, spat upon, stripped nearly half naked, having to carry a cross up a hill while people were shouting at him to be murdered and executed in one of the most painful ways humanity has ever devised in the middle of this and sucked all the possibilities of life in just one moment. And it's so easy to get stuck there in life, to decide that this is all there is. Just one more see, I told you so moment in all of the moments that we find ourselves and that life obviously ends in tragedy, that living in awe and wonder was a nice idea. It's a pipe dream. Maybe it's something that God gave to some people, but certainly not for me. So come down from cloud nine and get back to where you belong because you're just gonna be let down again. But that annoying voice, that annoying voice that calls you to life is still there, daring you to dream, daring you to step into something bigger, to hope, to believe again, and this tension, it builds and it builds and it builds until finally Easter. See, on this morning, we celebrate this moment. On the day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, I used to think that question was silly. I used to think that question was, was actually ridiculous because they weren't looking for the living among the dead. They were looking for the dead among the dead. But that little voice doesn't go away. They were still looking for, for some glimmer of hope. They were looking for, for something that would tell them that this was not all there is, that this is not where the story ends, that hope was still alive. And that voice that told them that awe and wonder was still available, it was faint. It was being drowned out by grief, but it was still whispering. So here they go to the graveyard trying to find any scrap of life among the dead, trying to find any bit of hope, any bit of life, taking whatever little bit of this cruel life that they could find in the middle of this, and they were doing the only thing that they knew to do to go put perfume on a corpse, to dress up death, and to call it happiness. And that may seem crazy, but it's not too far off from what we do. That we go searching through the graveyards, when we assume that life has the death word, searching for any scrap of hope in the middle of this, that God obviously doesn't want us to have what we long for, that we were made for, so we give up on awe and wonder, and we settle, we go rummaging through the graveyards of our lives, clawing at any resemblance of life, anything that could look like happiness, figuring that the best we could do was dress up death and call it happiness. And maybe some of you even in this room have just settled for religion, that you've given up on the possibility of life here and now, and so you've settled for heaven someday, but even that's not getting you out of the hell that you find yourself in right here and right now. Because up until now, death has become the only option available to us. And right when it seems like all hope is lost, 
When this is the end of the story, these words come bursting forth in this scene. He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you when he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinner, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. See, because they had forgotten. They allowed death to take over the last word. They had allowed death to have the final victory in this moment. And they had forgotten that life was coming. And when they came back to remember the tomb, they told all of these things to the 11, to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. See, when you actually start stepping into life that's available to you in the midst of death, it will seem like nonsense to every single person around you. But Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending he over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. He went away wondering to himself what had just happened. See, everything shifts with those three words, he has risen. In that moment, hope and life was revived back into the human story. It was a declaration that death and destruction never gets the last word, that it is okay to finally take a deep breath again and drop the walls of cynicism, to stop playing small and protecting yourself, to once again allow yourself to be shocked and surprised by the beauty of life that's available here and now to realize that you and I right now are in the middle of a divine rescue mission that God is on that started 2,000 years ago and it continues right here, right now in the Fox Theater, that we get to be part of this big, beautiful, divine moment. And the cross and an empty grave is a declaration that you were made to live. And that voice inside of you that is echoing right now, that is daring you to dream again, to step into a life filled with awe and wonder, that that is actually the most authentic voice that you could ever step into, that your life was meant to be a beautiful story written by an author God that has come for you and will come over and over and over again to bring you life. And that life is available right here and right now and that it is as close as your breath. As a kid, I loved kaleidoscopes. I had like a small collection of them in my closet and I always loved looking through them at the light and wondering made, what made all the shapes dance and all the colors turn out. In fact, I remember breaking quite a few of them, trying to figure out what was inside of this that was creating this ulterior universe that I found myself in. What I love about it is that it would take an ordinary light and it would transform it into something so beautiful that it would completely change your perspective of what you saw in any moment. Last week was a, an odd week for me because right in the middle of thinking through and writing this talk, about living a life filled with awe and wonder, I got a phone call that a 31-year-old friend had passed away from complications with chemo unexpectedly. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, those unexpected moments, right in the middle of writing this talk about awe and wonder. And my first thought was this, I can't say this to people. 
I'm gonna be a fraud if I stand up and say, dare to believe again. Dare to hope. Dare to live a life bigger than you could imagine. Dare to drop down your walls and your cynicism and allow yourself to be surprised because I didn't know what to do with my own suffering in the midst of this call that's inside of me and inside of you to awe and wonder. But I realized that Easter is not just a promise that life will come from death. But Easter, much like a kaleidoscope, invites us to see the world in a whole different way. See, Jesus never promises to take away your suffering. He doesn't promise to take away future heartbreak, future letdowns, future disappointments, future moments where life doesn't go the way that you wanted it to. But in the middle of that, he creates this giant and for us, much like awe and wonder, that he creates a pause. And that's what Easter does. Easter creates a giant and in our life for us. See, without Jesus, without Easter, we're just left sitting in our suffering. We're just left with death. We're, we're just really left with hopelessness and suffering. But on Easter, Jesus comes and he brings a giant and in the middle of this. And he says to us, it's possible to have suffering and life. That it's possible to experience a life that has moments of hardship and despair and hopelessness and suffering and awe and wonder is on the way and awe and wonder is still available and awe and wonder still gets the last breath see in John 16:33 says Jesus says I have told you these things so that you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world. See, the difference with Jesus is that in the end, love and light wins. That the ending of the story has already been told. And it calls you out from the hopelessness and out from the darkness and despair and into a place where you're willing to dream bigger again. And my hope for us today is that we might be left like Peter at the end of this story. That in our lives, we might ask ourselves, what just happened? That, that, that he is risen is gonna be just as important as what just happened. That you would live your life in any circumstance, in any situation, in anything that comes your way or that comes within you, and that you can say, he is risen, what just happened? Because in the midst of this, I have found awe and wonder, I have found life, and that it is possible to live in the and, the death and the life, the awe and the wonder, the chaos and the beauty, and it is possible that if Jesus, the God of awe and wonder, is sitting right next to you, no, no, no sitting within you that everything gets to be transformed and he has been waiting 
so that your story would be a story defined by awe and wonder. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? See, this talk is not just a feel good, I hope that you go away and experience the life of your dreams talk. This is an invitation into life. And that life is only available in a connection with Jesus. That's what this moment's all about. That Jesus knew that you and I were incapable of saving ourselves, that you and I were incapable of living in awe and wonder all on our own, that you and I were incapable of writing the beautiful epic story that you were made to on our own. And so God, rather than leaving us hopelessness, sends Jesus into the story and he died and he came back to life for you so that you could live, so that you could find life. And in many ways, this is an invitation to die to die to the old ways of hopelessness and despair and to step into a life defined by awe and wonder because you have found the God. No, that the God of awe and wonder has found you and that he has come for you. And this morning, if you have not ever stepped into a relationship with him, this is your moment. This is why God has brought you here. You thought you came here for a charcuterie plate or you came here because your friend invited you. Nope, you're here for this, for this moment so that Jesus could connect to your story. Some of you in the room, it's been a minute and maybe you've lost sight of awe and wonder because you've lost sight of this Jesus who loves you. If that's you and you're like, I I am ready to step into this life filled with awe and wonder. I am ready to lay down the hopelessness and the despair and to step into a life that is defined by beauty. This is your moment. If that's you with no eyes looking around, I'd just love you to just raise your hand if you're like, I'd like to step into a relationship with Jesus this morning. All over the room, who else? is like, yeah, I just wanna, I'm ready to step into a connection with Jesus. Awesome. If that's you, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. There's, it's not like magic words. It's just you connecting to Jesus. And I'd like for you just to pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I am broken and that I am incapable of saving myself. And so I give you everything. I know that you died and you came back to life for me and I make you Lord of my life. And would you come and fill me with awe and wonder this morning that I may experience this for all of my days. Thank you for this gift. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.